Hello, I'm Marietz Neumann. Welcome to Calm, Clear and Helpful, a weekly podcast series on taking good care of yourself and others. Introducing you to a wide range of wellness professionals ready to inform and inspire. Today's topic is how to manage the medical, emotional and practical aspects of cancer. My guest is Cherry Armstrong, palliative care nursing sister and stress consultant from Durban. Welcome, Cherry. Thank you so much, Mariette. To our listeners, after our conversation, Cherry will give us her three tips for life, and then it will be fun question time. Cherry, many people find terminal illness a depressing topic. What is your view of this? Mariette, I don't believe that terminal illness is a depressing topic, but I think it's a very daunting topic for most people and not even so much for the person suffering. I think it's a very daunting topic for families to come to terms with. Today we're talking about your book, Cancer, Navigating the Journey. Could you tell us how this book originated? Yeah, it, it took me quite a long time to write this book. I was a palliative nursing care sister at hospice, and then I had my own palliative care business. And I felt that there was always such a missing link between diagnosis with the oncologist and just your whole life changing before your eyes with surgery or whatever within sort of a 24-hour period. And back in the day, I used to really want to form the bridge between the doctors and the patients to perhaps be that mediator in between to chat to them about their choices and that they don't have to rush every decision, etc. But it wasn't a thing back then, so that didn't happen. So I think right from then I started writing down points and eventually got my book together through experience and, you know, looking after people with terminal illness. I must say it's such a helpful book and it's written in easy to understand language and with such clarity. So just at the beginning, I'd like to thank you for that. Thank you. That's great. That's exactly what I've tried to put across is not too medical and more of a conversation and just putting in some really helpful advice for people who are sort of lost on the journey. Yeah, and when I put together the questions, I tried to touch on various aspects that you mention in the book. So in your first chapter, you deal with the diagnosis of cancer. You wrote, a cancer diagnosis usually has the effect of bringing the fragility of life into focus. Could you say more about the reactions of the individual with cancer and those of their loved ones? Yeah, as I said, it, I think it's that initial diagnosis is just shocking for anybody, whether you are the patient or a loved one. Um, and I think from both sides of the family and yourself, if you are diagnosed, you kind of really realize how vulnerable one is in life and that life is really fragile. And in an instant, 
your entire path of what you think you were going on changes radically. Um, so I think the reactions, I think the reactions if you are the person diagnosed is, as I say, one of shock. You've really got to give it time to resonate um, and process before you carry on with the journey of treatment. And I think the same for your loved ones is that communication is so important between each other as to where you're going and how you're going to deal with this journey. You also find it important that patients actively participate in their treatment and your book suggests many ways of doing this. Would you like to mention a few? Yeah, I think um, I've written quite a few things on what the patient, you need to write down questions um, right from the beginning. Whatever goes through your mind, I think it's so important as a patient or a loved one to write down what is going through your head and ask those questions one by one from your, your medical practitioner. I think it gives you clarity and it's really important also to write down what they say, the, the medical practitioner says, because you will forget when you leave the rooms and you won't remember everything, and sometimes you misinterpret what has been said. So for me, right in the beginning, that's, it's just such an important part to write down and continue continually question where you're going, what the treatment is, what your choices are, the time frame, etc., etc. I I think if you start with that, your journey gets a little bit clearer as you go along. Yeah, if I remember correctly, you also suggested that people record what the doctor says on their phone. Yes, um, if you don't want to sit writing in front of the doctor, just press record before you go into his room and just pop your phone on the table or on your lap and uh, just record everything. It's, it's quite feasible to do that. And at least when you come home, you can listen as many times as you want to what what he has said and let it resonate with you. And you also suggest which questions one could ask, which I found very helpful. Yes, so, there are so many questions depending on your type of cancer, obviously. Um, surgery is often the big one, but sometimes surgery is done before you get to the oncologist. It just depends on on how how the process has worked individually. But your success rate with surgery, will you be having chemo afterwards? How long will it take? Um, do you need to change your diet? There, there are so many questions to ask, uh, which you need to do once you get to that part of the journey. It's, it's too soon to ask right in the beginning, but as you go on, that's what you can do. You wrote that the greatest change to the body while on cancer treatment is fatigue and that someone on treatment should find their yes and their no. What did you mean by this? It is so important. You know, we, we're all such busy, busy beings and we try even with um, a diagnosis like cancer, you try and live your best life as you have done in the past going forward with work etc, etc, entertaining, um, going out, whatever you're doing. And because fatigue, whether you're on chemo or radiation, is such a 
a big thing. It's a it's a very real thing. When people are wanting to pop in and say hello or drop food or do whatever, finding your yes and no is so important that yes, I would like to see you today. And no, I really am not up to seeing you today. And it's just really okay as the person suffering from cancer to to set these boundaries and and look after yourself. It's not about pleasing others. It's not about making other people happy. Um, lots of people want to drop food and stuff when you're on treatment. Let them drop it at the door. Uh, you do not have to get up and make a huge effort and say he- hello when you don't want to. Now let's go to medical aids. What I found so interesting in your chapter on medical aids was your explanation regarding medical aid brokers, which I didn't know about. And I quote, The fee brokers receive from the medical schemes they represent is built into your monthly medical aid contribution. So their services come at no extra cost to you. How can a medical aid broker help a patient liaise with their healthcare providers? Yes, um, medical aids can become a, a real bone of contention when you have a diagnosis of cancer because your chemotherapy treatments or your rehab treatments or your step-down facilities all have to be approved by medical aid. And definitely if you are with a broker, they should be able to do all these services for you so that, you know, just take the stress out of it. That's why you have a medical aid broker. Um And they should be able to form that bridge between yourself or your doctors because mostly the doctors do submit the requisitions for chemotherapy treatment and the quotes and stuff. And they should definitely be able to take that load off your shoulders and help you get everything together. It doesn't doesn't happen overnight. None of these things happen overnight. And I think I I do make a point somewhere in the book of saying don't, don't worry too much if medical aids are taking their time with giving the yes or no uh, or the go-ahead for a certain chemo treatment. It all takes time, I think, because they're overloaded as well. But it's not going to change anything about your status at that second. So just sort of just breathe is always my, my favorite word. Yes. In your chapter on diet, nutrition and food, you write that cancer can change your relationship with food. How could this happen? Um, I think mostly your relationship with food changes because of your treatment of chemotherapy or radiotherapy. So chemotherapy, because of side effects, can change completely how food tastes. Um, you can get that metallic taste in your mouth, Um all sorts of things can happen to your mouth depending on your chemo treatment with with sores and things. So, and also, I suppose one of the most important things is that you don't feel as hungry as you as you would normally, and you don't really want huge helpings of anything. I mean, my advice when people are ill with cancer is to give them very small helpings, attractive-looking helpings, softer food. Um, more neutral alkaline kind of food that they can sort of appreciate the look of as opposed to the taste of. Then some people claim that a particular diet or way of life can cure cancer on its own. 
How do you view this? There's a lot of there's a lot of talk on alkaline diets, no sugar. I do believe in that. I think sugar is the root of all evil. Um, but I also say people need to find they they just need to find their way with what makes them happy and what they believe in. I do think medical treatment uh, with diet or holistic ways certainly has has a place. Yes, I think you explained that very well in the book. Another question, when someone has cancer, it most probably complicates their relationships. And in your guide, you often refer to the importance of honest communication between loved ones. Could you say a little more about this? Yeah, I think when you're the person suffering from cancer, it's sometimes really hard to communicate what you're feeling or how you're feeling and sometimes you don't even have the energy to really want to communicate but I think from both parties because so much changes in your relationship with cancer right down to sexual relationships um, it is so important for both of you or all of you to try and keep your conversation as honest as you possibly can um, so that everybody knows what page each of you are on. I think that's just so important. And communication like touching or just holding each other or hugging each other is, I think, the most important. You know, we missed all that in our COVID times. It was just horrendous for everybody. And I think that that, that touch, whatever it is, is probably the most honest communication you can get. In Cancer Navigating the Journey, you have a chapter on when a child has cancer, and I quote, The World Health Organization states that cure is possible in more than 80% of children with cancer. Could you please elaborate on this? Yeah, I think it, it is, as it says, um, that cure is possible for more than 80% of children worldwide. Kids are resilient, eh? and a lot of the children cancers, like your leukemias, brain tumors, uh, are highly treatable in youngsters. Um, how that happens, I haven't got all the medical knowledge on that, but just the just the treatment for children who are early early diagnosed with cancer, it's it's actually. It's kind of a way of saying to parents, please just believe that your child will get better. In your chapter on complementary therapies, you write, when you are in pain, there is one focus and one focus only to become pain-free. Many people with a terminal illness will resort to any method or treatment available to help alleviate their symptoms, discomfort and pain. Could you please discuss this in the context of complementary therapies and holistic approaches? Yes, I mean, your, fir your first line of being pain-free is obviously medication, which you are given. Um, but there are so many complementary therapies, depending on how you feel and how your energy is, obviously. But uh, beautiful aromatherapy, massage, reflexology, yoga if you can do it 
anything gentle like that that opens up all your senses is really good for discomfort and pain. And, um, well, that sort of includes holistic approaches as well. But there is pain involved with cancer, especially if it's terminal. There, there are a lot of patients who are in pain. And at that time, you're kind of treating with medication more than holistic approaches and complementary therapies. Jerry, what is palliative care? Palliative care is, in a nutshell, is neither hastening death nor prolonging life. So palliative care is used, it's a term used when a patient is terminal, which means that we now need to look after you until you leave our little planet. And palliative care involves, as I said, your, your pain medication, but lots of love and comfort, quietness, um, being around loved ones, calm, everything's calm. And I mean, palliative care is beautiful if you are the patient because they just, everybody just finds a, a lovely place before you, before, before death. And that is palliative care. And palliative care is also looking after and holding everybody's hands in the family when their loved one is dying because I think that's probably the worst part of it is um, the emotions that the people left behind have. So it's 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 a, a whole thing, palliative care. It's not just for your patient. You have insightful chapters on making terminal patients comfortable for the last stretch of their lives at home or at a hospice. Could you say a little more about this? Yes, I think um, comfort is so beautiful for the terminal patients and just the most bizarre little things like having a, a vase of flowers next to the bed, having uh, family photos around them, having lots of light in the room, having fresh air come through and being able to, as a family or as a loved one, be next to your loved one who is terminal, holding their hand, loving them, talking to them. Even if you think they can't hear you, I think talking is really, really important. Um, discuss any unsaid things or unfinished business uh, because for both of you that is that is just so important. In your book, you also relate many people's stories, their own stories. And in this context, what struck me so in Heidi's story was that you wrote... The greatest gift you can give a dying person is communication. Yes, Heidi was a dear friend to many, many, many in Durban and South Africa. And um, she she spoke to me a lot. Uh, her, her death was, her diagnosis and death was pretty quick and it was absolutely shocking because she was so young in her 40s. Um, but I think being able to just continue communicating and her also being able to just talk about herself dying and what she needed to do. And she felt so blessed that she had a few weeks in which to finish things. She had three young daughters um, and a husband. And, yeah, I think that came from Heidi, that she just felt that that communication mm -hmm. was so important. 
a short note on the book we're discussing in this episode. Cancer affects one in four South Africans through diagnosis of family, friends, colleagues or themselves. It's a subject so often spoken about, yet with little practical information available. Cherry Armstrong was urged by the many people whose lives she had touched as a palliative care nurse and stress consultant to put her valuable insights into book form, and this resulted in cancer navigating the journey. In this book, Cherry answers a wide range of questions going beyond the treatment and medical information doctors provide to cover lifestyle, including emotional and spiritual aspects. Readers will find easy-to-understand information, practical coping tools, and an invaluable sense of support for navigating the cancer journey from the time of diagnosis to remission or terminal stage. Cherry covers a comprehensive selection of topics in 14 chapters, from everyday practicalities, medical aid, treatment and side effects, to nutrition, complementary therapies, hospice and home-based care. The book also addresses questions and fears, what to say and do when a loved one has cancer, a section on children with cancer, and how to deal with a terminal diagnosis. Readers will find stories of how others experienced and managed their cancer journey. These real-life stories offer a sense of connection and insight into the many ways in which cancer affects people. Ultimately, it's the patient's journey, and each one is unique. Finally, the book includes a resource section with contact details of organizations and specialists in South Africa that are helpful in the realm of cancer treatment and care. Cancer Navigating the Journey is published by Coventry Publications and aimed at easing the journey for patients, loved ones and carers. It's available at all good bookshops in South Africa and online. The online links will be posted in the podcast notes. Now, back to Cherry. Your last chapter, Cherry, is called On the Wings of Attitude. What did you want to put across there? I think it's a lot of that is how I live my life, I think. You know, despite what, what is thrown at you in life, and everyone gets stuff thrown at them, and it's just, Sometimes you just don't even know where to begin to cope. But I think waking up every day and seriously just looking around and you've got light and you've got love and you've got gratitude for what you have, even if you don't have it, there's always gratitude for something. And I think so many people do sweat the small stuff and until something major happens and then it's almost too late to start realizing that you can live every day with the same kind of attitude out there, positive, loving life, because we only have one life at the end of the day. So I think I was trying to put a little bit of my story across as well in that it's just so important to be positive every day. Mm. Yes, and not to 
pay too much attention to guilt. I think you specifically mentioned that. Yeah, there's, um, I don't know what's happened in the world today, but there seems to be more and more guilt um, in our sort of generation. And guilt is a killer. You're guilty about something, resolve it or come to terms with it, but just get rid of it out of your body. Mm. Where can listeners buy Cancer Navigating the Journey? That um, that you can find on my website, well, on my Facebook, Cherry Armstrong. Um, all the links are there. But we can also, I'm not sure how you would like to, or where you would like to put these, but we can send you a whole load of links. But they are at all the words with bookstores. They're at most of the exclusive bookstores right now. But they, if they are available online, they're available from Tatalot. So, yeah, there's a whole list of where you can get them. Yes. What we'll do in the first place, I think we can tell listeners that they must take a look in all good bookshops. Okay. First, that's the easiest. And then there are many online links. So I'm going to include the links in the podcast okay. notes. And also, as you said, people can go to your Facebook page, Cherry yeah. Armstrong. Now, Cherry, where can listeners learn more about your work? Mariette, I am on social media. Um, Cherry Armstrong is my Facebook page. I'm also on LinkedIn, um, also under Cherry Armstrong, but I'm on LinkedIn, very busy on LinkedIn, under my nonprofit organization's name, Celebrate Life SA. And Celebrate Life SA also has a Facebook page and I am also on Insta, but I'm not very, very active on that. And then my website, uh, www.celebratelifesa.org. There's quite a lot of info on what we do, but that's from a nonprofit organization on the website. Yep, I think that's about it. I'll attach the link to your website to the podcast. Okay, lovely. Could we now please have your three tips for life? Three tips for life. One, as you've heard, is gratitude. Um, live, live life mm. to the fullest because really our lifetime is very, very short on this earth. And let go of the negative energy. You're going to get negative energy in a day. If it's negative, don't dwell on it. Just let it go and the positive will flow again. Thank you, Cherry. Are you up to a fun question? Okay, Mariette, you go for it. <laughs> <laughs> I know that you have a deep love for Africa. Yes. Let's go to the realm of fantasy. Mm -hmm. If you could choose to live anywhere on the African continent at any time in history, so in the past or the present, where would you like to live? Oh, my gosh, that is so hard. Um, but not really that hard, on the most beautiful, tranquil <laughs> island ever. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose there would be some rowing and swimming that took place there. Um, yeah, that was one of our initiatives for Celebrate Life. We paddled around Mauritius for 10 days, 175 k's, to raise funds for Celebrate Life. Yeah. But I mean, I'm also, I'm also bush mm. man, so... I can be in the bush as well. I can be anywhere in Africa, actually. Okay. I suppose we would have to leave that question open and you would have to hop from wherever you are to the next place. <laughs> Thank you, Mariette. Thank you, Cherry, for 
sharing your expertise with us. And I must say that your book was written not, not only with clarity, but I was I kept on thinking of the word tenderness. You know, it's that understanding of what people with cancer as well as their loved ones and their carers experience. So thank you very much. I think it's a oh, gift. Thank you, Mariette. And I hope, I really, really sincerely, it, I hope that it helps so many people out there. Hmm. And to our listeners, it was good of you to join us. I'd be honored if you'd subscribe to this podcast series and rate it where you download your podcasts. If this episode inspired you, please share it with someone you care about. Go to my website, www.mariettsneiman.co.za for this episode's podcast notes and for free articles and podcast episodes on how to live a happier life and have more fulfilling relationships. To follow me on Facebook, just search for Mariette Sneeman, Journalist. Calm, Clear and Helpful is compiled, hosted and edited by me with original music by Mart-Marie Sneeman. Catch you next Tuesday at 9 